Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens and I'm in the studio here of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse with Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, Brother Nathan. This evening we're going to be discussing what a Christian's perspective should be on the Masonic Lodge. There are a lot of terms that have been used or are used to describe in part or in whole, the Freemason organization. Some of those terms include Mason, Shriner, and the Lodge. And we'll discuss more of those terms as the hour goes on. Pastor Murphy, let's start out with defining that. What is Freemasonry? Well, one, one of the interesting points about Freemasonry is that there's no formal definition of Freemasonry that exists in the official documents. However, um, it has been defined by some of the ex-Masons and who've held high positions in Masonry. Uh, generally, it is said to be a fraternal or brother, brotherhood or order that advocates the development of virtue and character. Um, the Monitor, for example, which is one of the main that advocate um, for Masonry and which is the official agency, uh, it says it's an institution having for its foundation the practice of social and moral virtues. It also goes on to say that masonry is a progressive moral science divided into different uh, degrees. So really, in truth and fact, if you take those um, unofficial definitions, uh, it basically seems to be focusing on the development of social and and, and, um, moral virtues. So that doesn't sound bad. That sounds like it's for the betterment of society. Uh, As a Christian... Is there anything that we should be alarmed about? Well, the, the thing about it is that when you use those kind of euphemistic terms, um, people let down their guard and they assume that this is just a social organization where people meet together uh, to develop certain qualities. But you get deeper into the organization, you begin to understand what it stands for, what its beliefs are. Then you begin, begin as, as a Christian to understand that this is not something a believer would want to associate himself with. Um, the emphasis on brotherhood and the, father, the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God uh, sounds very noble, but the practices and the rites and the beliefs and uh, the oaths and the, uh, the ceremonies that are held, as we hope this evening to share with the audience, uh, should tell a Christian very clearly that this is not an organization that you would want to associate with or be part of. One of the quotes that I came across as I was preparing for this evening, and this comes from Albert Mackey, from the Mackey's Revised Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. God is equally present with a pious Hindu in the temple, the Jew in the synagogue, the Muslim in the mosque, and the Christian in the church. Your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I eventually we'll come to uh, what they teach, but that is not surprising because God is called the great architect of the universe. That is the euphemistic term that is used to define God. He's not called Jehovah or Yahweh or any biblical term, Adonai. Um, um, uh, he's just called by this name, the great architect of the universe. But in this term, every other God is subsumed. So this, this name is an eclectic God name that embraces all gods. doesn't matter what God you are. That's why anybody can become a member of the Masonic Lodge. Uh, you could be a Hindu. You could be a Muslim. You could be a, a, um, a, a Christian. Uh, you can be a Taoist. You can be a Buddhist. It doesn't matter. You just worship whatever God you want to. So it doesn't matter which God you worship. But what matters is when you come into the Lodge, 
you call God by this name, the great architect of the universe. So the great architect of the universe to the Hindu might mean Vishnu. Yeah. To the Muhammad, it might mean Allah. To the Christian, it might mean Jehovah. And that's the deception of this whole system. Um, clearly, this is not the biblical God of the Bible. Uh, and uh, we need to make it very, very clear that we're dealing with a false God here. And there's the operative Mason and the speculative Mason? Well, the reason why uh, there's a distinction between those terms, really the operative Mason is really a literal Mason. Okay. And the, in other words, they borrowed the Masonic term, the terms of Mason uh, from the normal, like, brick Mason. Mm-hmm. So he would be the operative Mason. That's the guy that's actually doing Mason work, literal Mason work, putting okay. in bricks, etc. And uh, the operative, the speculative Mason now is a real Mason. Okay. This is the person that belongs to Part of the lodge. Yeah, he's part okay. of the lodge. So they make that distinction so that you understand, because they borrowed a lot of the imagery, a lot of the symbols. Why, why do you think they'd borrow those symbols? Is there anything... I guess I shouldn't ask why do you think. It should be why did they? Well, the, the reason why the, 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 the symbols of the um, Mason are used is because uh, each Mason is told uh, that he is building a temple. He's part of a temple. He's supposed Sounding to a little like the Mormon religion. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it is that he is trying to become what is called a living stone in this heavenly temple that is being built. So it is, it's almost borrowing Peter's term in the book of Second Peter, where it says that we are living stones in the temple of God. So there's a lot of biblical terms that are used within the Masonic Lodge, but they have injected different meaning into it. It's a game of semantics. You're using biblical terms as though to capture people to come into it, but you, the same terms are being defined in different ways. So you're using biblical language, but in actual fact, you have different meaning to them. Do you think that's in a attempt by Satan in order to cause confusion and deception? Well, I, I don't think there's any question about it. That when, okay. you, when you really begin to look at the, uh, the Masons and the kind of oath that they swear, the kind of beliefs that they have, uh, every false religion behind it is this satanic power. There's no question. He's trying to confuse. He's trying to deceive. And the best way to do that is to create confusion. And the, the, one of the great ways to do that is to create confusion using Christian words and Christian ideas so that when you challenge something that's being taught, say in the Masonic Lodge, that you're using biblical terms, uh, people will then begin to uh, label you as intolerant because they don't understand that the words are being used differently. And when you oppose things like this that are fairly popular within certain sectors of society, um, you get a backlash. Are there basic requirements that one has to meet in order to become a Mason? I know there's a lot of secrecy within the organization. Yeah, yeah. Well, the basic requirement really is that you must believe in some deity. Okay. Uh, that deity can be any deity. In other words, there's you don't have, have to adver- adhere to the Christian religion to be part of it. And it doesn't matter what the details about that deity is. But the important thing here is that you must believe that there is some God. Whether you be a Muslim or a Hindu or a Christian or any other group, you must hold to some God. And you must have a desire um, to really improve your character and your virtue. Um, But those are the basic requirements. What happens when an applicant is approved in the Freemasonry organization? Well, the successful applicant, who is called an initiate, uh, he must participate in three secret uh, initiatory ceremonies. Uh, they call these degrees. After the completion of the first degree, the candidate becomes an entered apprentice mason. Then he has to go to the second degree, and when he completes that degree by swearing certain oaths, he is called a fellow craft mason. And then the third degree leads him to the point where he is now called a master mason. Um, In Matthew chapter 5, verses 34 to 37, we read, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, Nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. I share that passage to give a little bit of background. On, uh, I was reading, and in order to be initiated as a first degree, this is part of the swearing-in oath. As 
As this, I solemnly and sincerely promise and swear, binding myself under no less a penalty than that having my throat cut from ear to ear, my tongue torn out by its roots, and my body buried in the sands of the sea at low water mark where the tide ebbs flow twice in 25 hours. Should I ever knowingly or willfully violate or transgress this, my entered apprentice obligation, so help me God, and it proceeds. Is there ever a time and a place for a Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to swear such an oath? It's inconceivable that any rational, right-thinking believer would ever make an oath like that. Uh, first of all, it is so ridiculous. But number two, it is not something that is, is taken very seriously by the the, uh, the Masonic Lodge. But how can any believer uh, who is familiar with Scripture endorse an oath of that nature? Um, uh, so that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, Christians have always, generally speaking, uh, found the Lodge to be at odds with Christianity because one of the basic teachings of our Lord is not to swear an oath. And here you are swearing oath and actually committing yourself to the point where if you break that oath, your throat will be cut from ear to ear, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But it gets worse than that, by the way. Yeah. There the are worse oaths than that. I don't know if you have any yeah, right there. I do. The, Go ahead. the third degree is as follows, where this is part of it. All this I most solemnly and sincerely promise and swear, binding myself under no less penalty than that of having my body severed in two, my bowels torn from thence, and burned to ashes, and these scattered before the four winds of heaven, that no remembrance might be had among men or masons of so vile a wretch as I should be. And it continues from that point on. Very, very sobering words. Yeah, as you get deeper into masonry, the oaths involved in penalties, they increase in intensity as you advance in these different degrees. But again, I think any Christian uh, hearing this for the first time, if they've not heard it, would understand why the church have always opposed this Masonic movement, because this is, this is, this is not only uh, unacceptable, uh, this is... Tom Foolery, to be very honest, to anybody who think that a Christian should come under those kind of oaths and believe that it's right. Um, so that in itself is one of the great reasons why uh, you stay away from it as a Christian. You, this is all wrong. You referenced being a master mason. What is the significance of that? Well, after you've gone through the third degree, you're now labeled a master a mason, and um, this makes you a kind of a full member worldwide. And uh, you can now join other Masonic organizations like the Scottish Rite or the York Rite, or you can become a, a Shriner, basically. Um, Is that related to the Shriner Hospitals? Yeah, they're, they're part of the Masonic uh, okay. organization as well. Um, so after your first two degrees, you still got 29 more degrees to grow because they're 32 degrees. And then there's a 33rd degree as well. But um, you're not able to progress uh, any further until you become a master mason. That's you've got to go to the first oh, three okay. degrees. Uh, and once you've attain, attained the 32 degrees, you then become, you um, attain where you get access to what is called the secrets of the mystic shrine. Uh, as you know, uh, Masonic Lodge um, is, is a kind of a Gnostic organization where it gives you the impression they've got certain secrets. That, that's why it's a secret organization. And as you go deeper and deeper, these secrets are revealed. Uh, so it, it's Master uh, Mason is just the beginning, to be honest with you. After the third degree, you know, got um, 32 more. It's full 32 degrees, 29 more to go. Is there ever a time and a place for a Christian to be part of a secret organization, even if it's not? I'll just leave it there. No. Uh, look, uh, the concept of secrecy is so abhorrent to Christianity. Okay. Christianity is a religion that is for the world. There are no secrets in Christianity. Uh, God is light. God is not darkness. And uh, God wants us to know truth. Not tr Truth must not be hidden. So the very idea that you would become part of a secret society with secret rituals and secret dogma and secret teaching uh, is offensive and contrary to the biblical norms. 
We have a question that came in from on via WhatsApp from the UK. Thank you to the individual who sent it. The question is as follows. They, or the members, work for their position by performing a lot of charity. Don't you think that is a way to lure pr- people into their group? Yeah, when we discuss what's the allure of um, masonry, that is one of the points that um, I will point out very clearly because it um, those people who like uh, philanthropy and those people who are very generous and uh, very uh, giving, they do get involved in masonry because it does a lot of good social work. And I think that is part of the capture of it. Uh, it has this element of you're doing good, you're being a good person, you're helping out society, you're helping with needs, etc., etc. But that must not be the standard by which you judge when you associate. Uh, there are other biblical standards that are uh, guidelines that are given to the believer as far as his association is concerned. And we must not al- al- allow the fact that it involves in charitable activities and social activities to outweigh the other factors that uh, are much more heavier than these matters. Would you say that there's any other appeals that you're aware of that would draw people to Freemasonry? Well, uh, Freemasonry at the Zenith had about 4 million um, followers, basically, part of the group, but it has been declining. Uh, but there must be uh, something that there must be some real or imagined benefits that people see in order to become part of the Masonic Lodge. And uh, let me just mention a few of those to you. One of has to do with family tradition. Uh, in the Masonic Lodge, the, the tradition of belonging to the Lodge is carried on often within the families. And we all know that tradition binds family together, and it often instills a sense of pride that I belong to this organization. So the family tradition is one of the attractive uh, attractions of it. Then the idea of social fellowship. Uh, there's no doubt that man is a social being, and many such gatherings of the Masonic Lodge uh, satisfy this social instinct in people. So like the men sometimes like to come together, and this performs its role, so the social attraction is there. And then the commercial advantages. Uh, it is legendary how committed Masons are to each other, especially in the realm of business. Yeah, it's a sworn fraternity. It, that's right. And many, many prominent business people in the area of banking, commerce, etc., are part in Masonic Lodge. And one way you can advance your career and maybe even increase your business uh, is to become part of Masonic Lodge because they're committed to each other. So there are commercial advantages, and then, of course, there are political advantages. And what I mean by that, often the political leaders as well are, belong to this Masonic Lodge, and everybody knows that once you can associate with politicians within the country, whether you're a businessman or ordinary person, it can help you progress in your own personal development. Uh, so that's it. And then there are legal benefits. A lot of lawyers and, uh, and uh, judges and magistrates are part of the Masonic Lodge. And don't forget, there's a sworn, they're sworn to protect the secrets of each other yeah. and sworn to help each other. And um, there have been cases where uh, people have benefited legally uh, who committed crimes uh, because of the Masonic Lodge. So, and then, of course... The social good that you mentioned that is done by the group and philanthropists and people who are very altruistic. They like to be part of an organization like that. And finally, there's this mystic element in the lodge. And what I mean by that is it is supposed to be an ancient brotherhood that holds many secrets. And this Gnostic quality of having secrets that belong to the ancient mystery cults, etc., leads people who are inquisitive and and speculative to want to join the lodge. So those are some of the the main reasons why people would be part of the lodge. Let's take a step back and talk about the origins of the whole the whole movement. What are we aware of? Well, there 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 is some disparity as to when the movement started. Um, For example, the Encyclopedia Britannica maintains that Freemasonry started. Uh, no earlier than 1717. Okay. Right? But again, if you read some of the um, former Masons who are very prominent in the group, for example, J.S.M. Ward, uh, a Mason, this is what he has to say about the uh, the origin of the, the movement. He said, the Masonic Order is the oldest religious system in the world, and that is the custodian of the basic ideas common to all religions. 
He traces the origins from the secret societies of antiquity through the ages to the present order. And he points out that much of the rites and the symbols in the, of, of this uh, organization are the same as the ancient mystery cults. So, and, and now, of course, some of the degrees of the Masonic Lodge are, are said to be a continuation that goes back to the Crusades of the 13th century. So while Botanica is saying 1717, uh, Masons are saying this is far more ancient than that. So there's no authoritative history. Uh, it's just what the Masons are saying themselves, especially the prominent ones. But they trace it back to antiquity. Would you, you use the word cult as you were reading that quote there. Would you, as a pastor, consider Freemasonry a cult? I consider it a false religion, so okay. it have to be a cult. Okay. As a matter of fact, there's a book written, um, um, Heresies Exposed, that includes it under the, the heading of a cult. And then there's a book written by uh, J. Oswald's Ch- Chambers uh, on cults, and he includes it in the, in the book as well as a cult. Another question that came in via WhatsApp. They do not believe in the 25th of December as Christmas. Do you think that they are wrong not to do so, seeing that we know not the date of Jesus' birth? Well, what I would say is that um, I have no problems if a person wants to observe 25th or not observe this 25th. Uh, the authority for that is the book of Colossians, where Paul makes it very clear when it comes to religious days that every man be police persuaded in his mind. I myself uh, have reservations as to whether or not um, our Lord's uh, birth should be celebrated on uh, December 25th. But generally speaking, um, it's a day that has been earmarked. Uh, nobody can definitively say exactly when it was. Uh, and I, I don't have any problem in celebrating it either in a Christian way where you recognize the birth of Christ. I have no problem with that because the incarnation of Christ was pivotal as far as man's redemptive history is concerned. And for a believer, it is important to remind people that our Lord did become incarnate and became man so that he can redeem us. But if a person opposes to that um, and and doesn't want to celebrate uh, the 25th of December, I I say to that person, let your conscience be your exercise over your conscience. And if you feel that way, you have a biblical right not to do so. I know of churches who have in their constitution that members are not allowed to be part of a secret society or the Freemasons. Is it biblical to put such limitations in your constitution of your church? A church has a right as an association to um, be guided by certain principles. And clearly when you read the Bible, the overall tenor of the Bible, uh, any concept of a secret society uh, basically doesn't have any support in Scripture. So I think in the interest of safeguarding its people, a church has a legitimate right coming together, forming a covenant, and making certain stipulations within the doctrinal statement and within the Constitution. And if it is felt that it would help uh, desist any of its members from getting involved in secret societies, um, I have no problem at all with churches coming together and mutually agreeing that this is one of the rules and standards that govern the church. Time across the Eastern Caribbean is 7.57. You're listening to That's Truth with Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Pastor Murphy, if a Christian is a member of the Freemason Lodge, would you say that they have opened a door for Satan to influence their life or to limit their effectiveness as a believer? I would I would say probably both. Okay. I'm saying that because of the kind of oaths that the Mason has to, to say as he goes in the different degrees and progresses in it. Uh, one of the things is that he has to uh, swear an oath to is to the Masonic God. And uh, during the process, the letter G is used for God. There's no definition uh, about his nature, his character. It's just a eclectic, euphemistic term that is used for God. Uh, I am convinced the God of the Masons is not the God of the Bible. He's not the triune God that the Scriptures talk about. And any God that you swear allegiance to that is not the true and biblical God, you're opening your mind and opening your, your spirit to uh, demonic forces. Paul says that the pagans that worship idols worship demons. 
And one has to be very, very careful when you're swearing allegiance to a God that's not the God of the Bible. You are actually opening yourself to occult and demonic powers. As far as testimony is concerned, um, I believe that any when people become aware of what the Masons teach and what they believe and the kind of oath that they swear, I think any rational Christian who takes the Bible seriously would come to believe that this is not something a Christian should be engaged in. And even people in the world uh, who understand what the Masonic Lodge teaches and the kind of oaths that they swear to uh, will understand that this is not something a Christian should be engaged in. The Shriners, uh, an offshoot of the Masons, have started 22, at the time of the publication that I was reading, 22 children's hospitals. And those children that are being cared for don't have to pay a cent. That is a wonderful thing uh, from a societal standpoint. Wouldn't that prove that the Masons are bettering society and that we shouldn't be taking such a strong stand against them? Look, all of this is a trap. Ultimately, uh, I have n- nothing wrong. I feel nothing wrong with people um, um, who want to help children who have got cancer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I don't have to become part of the Masonic Lodge uh, that is clearly anti-scriptural, anti-Christian, uh, to be able to even make a donation to a, a shrine or hospital that will take care of kids. Uh, so I, I think that we we must not um, allow the medical work or the social work or um, whatever form of good uh, these groups are doing to in any way encourage us or to prevent us from in any way criticizing or pointing out the errors or the mistakes uh, that these institutions are engaged in. Uh, There are lots of good organizations that are doing lots of good things. I suppose if you look at uh, all of the, the cults, there's something good about a lot of the cults. You, you can't, there's nothing, all of the cults basically, there is something good about them, but are we going to be part of the cult because they're doing some social good or, or, or economic good? So we must not fall into this trap of assuming that because they're doing good, therefore they're, um, they're beyond criticism. Um, um, this is not acceptable when it comes to the Christian faith. We must judge all things, as the Bible says, and we must not, must try the spirits as the Bible speaks on. Now, you were referencing that you have to make a pledge to uh, the Masonic God. Uh, I read that the Masons, or one of the the Masons, had written that Freemasons don't discuss politics or religion during their meetings. As a Christian, is it ever okay to be part of an organization where you are not allowed to discuss uh, your beliefs, your religious beliefs freely? And I'm, I'm speaking larger than yeah, just the yeah. lodge. This is a secular view, and it's becoming the global view, that you must keep your Christian faith within the church, that when you go outside the church, basically uh, you just keep your religion to yourself. This is not a biblical position. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all life and the entire universe. And our job is to take our Christianity with us anywhere we're going. We are said to be the salt of the world and the light of the world. And the salt is to shine. Uh, the, the light is to shine. The salt is to hold back the corruption. And the, the light, of course, pushes back the darkness. So I, I would never join a, uh, any organization where I don't have the right to express my Christian faith. A WhatsApp question that just came in from Liberta Antigua. Thank you to the individual who sent it. Can women join the lodge, or is it an all-man thing? To, to my knowledge, women are not cannot be part of the lodge. I came across earlier today uh, that there are a few exceptions to that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's because there's not really a universal, or my understanding is yeah. there's not a universal governing body, yeah. each different entity or grand lodge mm-hmm. is in charge of a region that they have different uh, different policies, but they are becoming more open to. Well, I suspect as feminism uh, gains great attraction in society, I suspect that um, a lot of these fraternal organizations, which are supposed to be brotherhoods, 
will eventually open the doors to, to women, and it's perhaps this is what is happening in some of them. But generally speaking, it was designed to be a fraternity of brotherhood, brothers, uh, and uh, that might be changing over time. Uh, women have tremendous power these days, and the concept of discrimination, of being intolerant towards the feminine um, group, uh, could create some serious PR problems for any organization today. Now, you mentioned earlier the fact that an individual who is an atheist or an agnostic cannot join the lodge. Is that not a good thing? Is that not a reason that we should support it? Well, again, let's not be uh, misled by pleasantries and, and terms that seem and conditions that seem attractive in, in certain ways. The, the, the point is that... Uh, the idea that uh, agnostic or atheists cannot join the lodge, yeah, that's a good thing. But again, that does not mean we must support other elements that are contrary to Scripture. And this is where the subtlety uh, and the attraction of the, the movement, uh, not just this movement, any other movement, just bring in some God talk and people let down their barriers. But what God are you talking about? What kind of oath are you swearing to? What is involved in the initiation ceremony? Uh, what does it teach about how you build this temple in heaven? How do you become a living stone in this temple of heaven? Those are issues, biblical issues, because at the central to Christianity is the core doctrine of soteriology. How does a person get saved? How does a person become a child of God? How does a person be get into heaven? And the Masonic Lodge teaches that which is completely contrary uh, to scriptures. So we must not look at those favorable elements, which are few, but we must look at what is the, the in the main um, structure and the main teachings uh, that are so contrary to scripture that we can't support. Now, I was kind of surprised to realize that you actually agree with the Catholic Church on this. Uh -huh. The Catholic Church has taken a stand against Freemasonry for quite a while. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, uh, the overwhelming number of Christian denominations have condemned Freemasonry. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And they believe that the essential tenets and practices of the movement and the fraternity are contrary to the spirit and the beliefs of Christianity. For example... Uh, if I were to give you a list of the churches that uh, oppose Freemasonry, let me give you a list. The Roman Catholic Church, of course, the Methodist Church of England, the Wesleyan uh, Methodist Church, the Russian Orthodox Church, the Synod of Anglican Churches of England, the Assemblies of God, the Church of the Nazarene, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the Reformed Presbyterian Church, the Christian Reformed Church of America, the Church of Scotland, the General Association of Regular Baptists, the Independent Fundamental Church of America, the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Baptist Union of Scotland, and the Presbyterian Church of America. That's just a sample. <laughs> so the church, generally speaking, whether it be evangelical, whether it be conservative, orthodox, have always seen the Masonic Lodge as a fraternity that believers and Christians should not engage in, not get involved in. Why do you, do you think it's that the church feels threatened by it? I don't think it's so much a matter of being threatened. I really think that when you get to the core doctrines and understand the kind of oaths that are sworn and their concept of how you get to heaven, how you get salvation, uh, I think that all of those factors uh, and the idea of creating a fraternity where it is this eclectic God that is uh, what you might call an amorphous God that can embrace all other gods. This is this is a concept that is intolerant to Christianity, which believes in the triune God. We have a WhatsApp that has come in from Antigua. It starts out, good evening, CRL. Just wish to share a real story that I am aware of. A gentleman who is working in a particular company in Antigua the gentleman travels abroad for the company and uses the company's credit card and abuses it for personal gain. On his return, the accountant picked up the gentleman's personal expenditure on the company's credit card. The gentleman was called into the meeting with the company's boss and as such was in the position to be fired due to misuse of the company funding. After the meeting, the gentleman attended another meeting with the general manager and was pardoned and instructed to pay the money back the same day, and this pardon was due to his affiliation with the Masonry Lodge. The general manager was in the lodge and also the gentleman. 
This is one of the attractions for people in, the gen- in general to join. It is stated that people who join these lodges are protected in the fraternity. Yeah, if one of the, um, the oaths that is sworn that you are actually to, to, um, to keep secret the crimes of fellow Masons, excepting two, murder and treason. So any any crime other than murder and treason, the part of your oath is that you must protect the secrets, and that is why some of some people benefit, as is stated here, uh, on the walks up. Uh, that is that's part of the attraction of it. Um, it. It's 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 frightening that these things could happen, but they do happen. Uh, they are sworn to protect each other, and they will do anything to protect each other. We have another question that just came in from Antigua via WhatsApp. Couldn't you join the Lodge in order to share the correct view of God? Couldn't you use it to witness? Well, again, if you're going to join the Lodge, you have to swear oaths. Uh, So you're going to swear off to a false god, worship at a false altar, uh, swear on a, a false book, uh, you're going to do that in order, in order, you're going to infiltrate the lodge swearing their oaths because you cannot become part of the lodge without swearing their oaths uh, so I, it, it's a, that way of thinking is so twisted and distorted I don't think you've thought that one through rationally to be very honest with you uh, a Christian should never be part of the lodge and uh, should never join the lodge in order to try to salvage it or to somehow uh, uh, reform it uh, even Martin Luther thought he could reform the Catholic Church, and then later discovered he couldn't do it. Yeah, and n- I don't think any Christian could. Do it. The other thing is that the Bible lays out some very s- specifics on these matters of association, not being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship have God with Belial? What fellowship have darkness with light? And when you look at the teachings of the Masonic Lodge and the beliefs, it falls under this umbrella that restricts associations, as Paul tells us in Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter six. I came across an article written by Eric from Take a Stand Ministries, and he writes, he says, I personally have Masonic Bibles, these are King James Version, from Washington, from Idaho, Texas, and South Carolina that clearly enunciate that Masonry accepts all religions as a valid path to the, in quotes, the nameless one of of a hundred names. That is, I thought you were coming from a different angle. That the fact that because you get uh, KJV Bibles, that the Masonic Lodge is right. But oh, I was going yeah. to, I'm going to suggest to you that read the inside of the Bible, and that's exactly what's in the inside. Yeah, it lets you know that uh, any God is acceptable. Basically, this is an eclectic God that um, that morphs into anything you want it to want Him to be, and therefore you can worship your God under this term that is used, the great architect of the universe. Uh, that in itself should say uh, something very, should send some red lights to any believer who wants to engage in the Masonic Lodge. Thank you to each of you who have sent in your questions thus far. We have another one that just came in from Antigua. Good night, CRL. There have been a number of severe deaths, car accidents, bodies burnt, car crashes and poles, even in Antigua, which has been associated with the death of a lodge man's children. Stories have surfaced that these lodgemen have sold their children to the devil. What are your thoughts on these brutal deaths and the fact that they can sell their children's soul? I... I I don't want to um, speculate too much on this matter. I, I am not um, familiar with the issues that are being raised here. Um, uh, so I want to be very reserved in making comments of that nature. I am not aware of what is being said, so I, I can't really speculate or give an opinion on this matter. What I would say is that there's no doubt in my mind that the God of the Masonic Lodge is not the God of the Bible. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And that the kind of oath that is sworn, uh, no Christian could engage in. But every Mason that swears these kinds of oaths have brought himself under the power of a God that's not the God of the Bible. And behind every false God is the infernal spirit called Satan. And it is not impossible to... Uh, assume 
that uh, allegiance to a false god leads to satanic control and that some of these activities can be satanic in nature. Uh, but that's as far as I'm going to go at this point in time, unless I knew what the persons were speaking about and I had some details on the matter. But I would not put a lot of matters like this uh, beyond the possibility of satanic involvement. But it is possible for an individual, I'm, not, I'm just taking a step back from even our discussion of yeah. Freemasonry, of an individual to be uh, praying or uh, offering their child to to the God of this world. This happens, uh, especially those people who are Satanists. One of the, one of the uh, there's a book written by Doctor Cock. Uh, it is called Counseling the Occult. It can be found in CLC. It's a fascinating book to read. Uh, but he spent forty years in the eastern part of uh, of Europe dealing with all kinds of occult systems. And one of the things that he uh, teaches in the book, having dealt with these people over 40 years, that if you are involved in any kind of satanic activity, occult activity, uh, if you are going uh, to die, uh, in most cases you're going to die a very horrible death unless you somehow transfer the occult powers that you somehow have gathered to one of your descendants. So that's why children that are born sometimes are not aware that these oaths are said over the, and, and then they come up and they're having all kinds of problems. Nobody knows. But generally, if you find demonism or you find some kind of uh, witchcraft or um, occult practice, it has to be transferred from the senior person prior to death to the minor. Otherwise, there are serious consequences and people are fearful of not going that step. So that would not be so right. So you're saying the demonic forces are real? Of course. Very, very real. Anybody that knows the Bible, right. uh, it's impossible. But that's, that's not just a thing from the Bible times. That's something that takes place even today. Of course, of okay. course. Just just wanted to clarify that. I have yeah. heard, heard people uh, state that that's just something from Bible times, but wanted you to clarify that that that's still there. We are still on a spiritual battle. Yeah, but Nathan, what what we what we look, we are now in a post-Christian neo-paganistic age. Okay, we have pretty much undermined the scripture. We've gone away from the scripture. It's gone away from the Bible. We are now uh, preaching a secular doc, doc, uh, dogma that has no place for the supernatural, no place for God. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, you're going to find that there be all kinds of speculative thinking in respect to demonic powers, etc., making people believe that the Bible is some kind of an old archaic book that believes in genies and, and all kinds of spirits. But I remind you that these things are based on the authority of Christ. For anyone to deny that they're demons is to undermine the integrity and the divinity of Christ because he himself made it very clear in his teachings and in his, and his dealings that he cast out demons. So the very suggestion that these things don't exist mm -hmm. and they're just part of the imaginative literature of the Bible is to undermine the very credibility and deity of Christ. Very serious matter to make yeah. those kind of charges. Very, very interesting perspective to put it on there. Uh, just to share some of the individuals I heard saying that were people that attend some of our like-minded churches. <laughs> and a very, very eye-opening and sobering to realize what views are out there. Yeah. But but, may, may I add here, uh, look, again, we are in the time of apostasy. Don't be misled by labels any longer. People claiming to be Christians and carrying all kinds, whether it be Baptist label or Presbyterian label or Lutheran, it doesn't matter. We must not go by labels. We must understand that we are in a period of an apostasy that the Bible warns about. The falling away from the truth, the falling away from the faith, people giving heed to seducing spirits, having itching ears, want teachers to just uh, give them, them what they want. Yeah. Okay, That's where we are. So don't be surprised that you'll meet people who profess to be believers today that will give you all kinds of weird theories. And it's very, very obvious that they're not Bible-believing uh, Christians. And that's the only, uh, the only true type of Christian, a Bible-believing Christian. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that is offensive to Christianity that is presented in Freemasonry that you're aware of? Well, besides the eclectic God who uh, is <laughs> a camouflage God that subsumes every other God under that title of the great architect of the universe, there are some other things that are very offensive to Christians. For example, take the rite of initiation, what's involved in that. Um, 
in the first degree when a candidate is being initiated. These are some of the things that happen. His own clothing is removed and he is thinly clad in clothes provided by him and he's blindfolded. Next, he kneels blindfolded before the Masonic altar with a light rope around his neck. Uh, arranged on the altar is an open Bible with a, which, on which rests a square and a compass. On either side of the altar are lighted candles that are burning. He is then asked by what is called the Worshipful Master, who is the guy in charge of the local lodge, to repeat after him the first Masonic oath, after which the covering is removed from his eyes and he is entered into the light of masonry. Now I ask you, what intelligent Christian would submit himself to such a foolish, humiliating ceremony? Uh, this is offensive to me as a Christian. Have a rope around your neck, yeah. uh, being disrobed and given some kind of a gong, um, uh, um, having being blindfolded, believing that you are in the darkness, coming out into the light of Masonic Lodge. No, the Bible says that God has removed the veil from the believer's eyes. We are not blind. Christian is not blind. Uh, we are enlightened by Christ. That in itself is uh, offensive. And then, of course, the horrible oaths that uh, you mentioned uh, a moment ago. But let me make a, um, a comment of what is said about this initiatory initiation ceremony. Uh, this is what A.G. Mackey said, who is a post-general high priest of the General Grand Chapter of the U.S. This is what he said. He said, the shock entrance... Uh, to Masonic Lodge, the symbol of the disruption of the candidate from the ties of the world and his introduction into the life of Masonry. It is the symbol of the agonies of death and the throes of new birth. He says further, having been wandering amid the errors and covered over with the pollutions of, of the outer world and the profane world, he comes inquiring to our door, seeking the new birth and asking a withdrawal of the veil which conceals divine truth from his uninitiated sight. The initiation is, as it were, a death to the world and a resurrection to new life. Now listen to those. That um, very, almost like they stole words from Scripture, but that, then put it for their own purpose. That's the point I made. It's a semantic game. Uh, it is mixing uh, Christianity with pagan teaching. And uh, the person who is not aware of the, the biblical teaching in respect to these matters in new birth, coming out of darkness, they're using biblical terms. And that is why the person might be caught off guard believing that they're in a Christian movement, when in truth and fact, this is a paganistic system. Uh, that is offensive, to hear such language being used in the, in the lodge when a person is initiated into uh, becoming a member. We've got about three minutes left in the program. I want you to speak a little bit to the listener who may be part of the Masonic Lodge, and they have not been aware of all that is involved, um, obviously, if they've said these vows, but they, they find themselves involved in it, and they are now a believer, and what should they do? How do they proceed? My, my first suggestion to a person who is engaged in this activity, who may think that what we're saying is borderline nonsense or who might think that uh, uh, we are uh, biased against Masonic doctrine, Masonic teaching. My first suggestion to you would be do some real thorough investigation. Find out the facts for yourself. If you doubt what we're saying here tonight and you, you uh, suspect what I'm saying tonight is not correct and not true, I am prepared to give you my sources that you can investigate for yourself. Uh, that's the first thing I would suggest that you you investigate and see that this clearly is not a Christian um, fraternity, uh, that it is contrary uh, to certain biblical principles uh, in terms of secrecy, uh, in terms of taking oaths, uh, in terms of using Bible language and injecting uh, different meaning into that Bible language, playing a semantic game with people's minds. In terms of how a person actually gets to heaven, the Masonic Lodge emphasizes that you get to heaven, you become a living stone by your own efforts, by your own merit. 
It's a salvation of works. It's what we might call auto uh, salvation, that you virtually have to save yourself uh, by becoming more virtuous and uh, becoming more moral and beginning to take off the the, the, the rough edges off of your life. I could give you quote after quote where this is substantially what is said when it comes to becoming a living stone in what is called a celestial temple. Now, uh, and by the way, do you notice that a lot of the terminology that is used is the same terminology that's used in regard to the church, that we are living stones, that we belong to a living temple? They've taken that and transposed it into the Masonic Lodge but the way that we become living stones is through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how salvation is in. The Masonic Lodge is advocating that you, by your own efforts and your meritorious good good works, uh, that this is the way that you become a living stone to be in the living temple. I would say to any person uh, who is part of the Lodge who claims to be a Christian to examine uh, what I've said, uh, investigate, but you need to come out. The Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship have darkness with light? What uh, concord has Christ with Belial? This is a false movement. It is not of God. And the sooner you get out, the better it is for you. And I trust you'll do that. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight for That's Truth. Be sure you tune in again next week. We're going to be discussing a very practical, relevant topic from Scripture, that of what are the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith that determine our fellowship, that determine our eternal destiny. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks for your involvement. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.